Looking for a good book? Or need tips on writing your own book? Need help with publishing, self-publishing or more information on audiobooks? Welcome to Authors and More. All your writing needs under one roof. So welcome to the show. I have two fabulous guests on today. First of all, I have Michelle Lovai, founder of Odyssey Books, and Joe Toscano, one of their fabulous authors of The River Child. So welcome to you both. Thank you. So I'm in the UK. So first of all, Michelle, tell our audience where you are. Um, I'm currently based out of Wellington in New Zealand. Wow. Um, so originally from Australia. And um, yeah, I've been here for a few years now. So this is home. <laughs> So did you say you were born in Australia then, Michelle? Yes. Yeah. Um, I moved um, to New Zealand about four years ago um, and now live on the beautiful Kapiti Coast. Wonderful. And how about you, Joe? What part of the world are you in? Uh, I'm right in the middle of Sydney. Um, I, I travel a fair bit, um, but um, Sydney's, Sydney's my home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Both gorgeous parts of the world. So welcome to welcome both and thank you so much for joining me. So first of all to Michelle, can you tell us um, about Odyssey Books and how you got involved and, and began your own publishing company? Sure. Um, so I've been working in um, the public service in government roles for quite a few years um, and I landed in government publishing um, after a period of time and um, after completing studies and things. So um, it kind of was... Um, taking that knowledge and, and interest in, in the publishing industry and wanting to do something more creative, um, you know, government publishing is pretty, pretty dull. So um, I, I was going to say yeah. it's quite interesting government, but no, it's dull. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, parts of it are like um, I worked in a think tank, which, you know, yeah. had um, quite a lot of interesting topics that they published, but there was a lot of uh, really dry material, really technical, um, kind of boring material so I you know I've always been a voracious reader and I just wanted to kind of meld the two um my passion for for books and um my skill set in publishing um so yeah I did some volunteer work on a independent magazine for quite a few years while I was studying and um all of that lent to um learning about print on demand which is you know quite new um sort of 15 years ago um and that kind of was the sort of launch pad for oh I can actually run a business using this model um so that kind of was where Odyssey started yeah um I decided one day I'm just gonna just run with it it. and what (laughs) year was that when did you start Odyssey Books so that was 2009 2009 so you have two different models don't you of publishing tell us about those at Odyssey Sure. So uh, the first model is my sort of traditional publishing imprint. Um, I actually have three imprints under the Odyssey Books umbrella. Um, one is the main one, Odyssey, and then the publisher Obscura, which is kind of novelty books, yeah. gift books, that kind of thing, and En Cecilia, which is uh, poetry and short fiction. Um, and so that's a so it's, it's kind of a traditional publishing model. Um, I sign up authors who have written something you know, really promising. Um, I do all the, the editing and the, the layout work, the design work, um, or I outsource where I, I need to. Um, and I have a distributor in Australia that handles all of the, the book trade and libraries within Australia, as well as the print-on-demand model, which supplies the rest of the world 
through um, Ingram Spark. Most books who are self-publishing would have come across Ingram Spark, and it's a really great model for both um, individual self-publishers and small press um, to get their works out there with relatively low upfront cost. Yeah. So, um, so that's the the main publishing model. Um, it's a royalty paying service you know the, the authors don't contribute to the costs unless they want to do you know their own marketing activities that that's kind of all their optional um you know whatever they want to do to contribute to marketing the book and if it you know if that means that they're going to invest in promotional events or or marketing yeah, uh, yeah. advertising or whatever then that's up to them to do i don't expect that from them um the other model that i have is under the odyssey publishing banner as opposed to odyssey books um and that is a uh service-based publishing um, business where I actually provide the editing services for a fee for authors who are wanting to self-publish. So they go, they, they hire me to do editing, to do design, to do whatever they need help with. Um, and then they go off and they promote their and books and they earn 100% of the royalties. Yeah, then then you then they'd use someone like Ingram Spark, say, to, to publish. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's um yeah so there's a bit of coaching a bit of handholding involved if the authors are you know new particularly if they're new to self publishing um, it just allows them a bit of reassurance that they're on the right track and um, you know they don't have to do all that research for themselves they can just come to me and I can I can give them all the tips and things that they need yeah, um, yeah. in order to go and self publish wonderful so how about you Joe so yeah welcome to the show and congratulations you. on your book. The River Child. So tell us all about your book. What's the synopsis? What's it about? Um, the River Child is, is about uh, a child that goes missing and, um, and what happens to a community when this little girl goes missing. So it, it's a bit of a family, family saga, family drama, but it's got mystery. It's got a mystery in it as well. And it's told from the perspective of, um, of the protagonist as an adult. And there's also uh, excerpts from when she was a child. So you, you get a child's perspective on, on what happens. And um, I, I got the idea from doing the child's perspective because when I was, um, when I was in primary school and I was about eight, I think it was, um, a little girl from our uh, suburb did go missing. Oh, and she was, missing, she was missing for about three days. And back in those days, we had um, what they used to call migrant hostels. And the migrant hostel was not very far away from where we lived. And it, it was sort of like um, those old army um, barracks, which are dome shaped. Yeah, yeah. And that was where the migrant hostel was. And, and sometimes we'd go down there for events that, that they had. So when this little girl went, went missing, um, it really, it really resonated with, with the kids that were in primary school because we were her age. And so, you know, I, I remember laying awake at night and saying to my sister, do you think do you think she's still alive? Do you think someone's kidnapped her? What do you think's happened to her? Um, so yeah, so the fear of that little girl going missing and what people were saying, and obviously there are a lot of rumors and innuendo and all sorts of things running around the community. And um, and I just remember, you know, I mean, being kids as we were and primary school kids and you know, people would say, you know, do you think blah blah's taken her? And so there was a lot of yeah, rumor yeah. around around that time. It's quite and chilling, yeah. really for you to have to go through that experience, though, because that's clearly a, a massive memory from your childhood, isn't it? It's really made an impact. Um, it was a yes, it was a big memory from my childhood. I I just remembered the three days of of, of utter uh, uh, yeah of fear. 
and of, of what people were saying and whether this little girl would ever be found and thankfully she was but I think that for me that that memory was a very strong one and it really resonated with me um, and it has it had always stayed with me yeah. so I had to do something about it so I started to write The River Child. Hmm. So what was it like working with Michelle at Odyssey Books and which kind of element did you go down? Was it the self-publishing or traditional publishing? It, it was a traditional publishing. Um, I, I was just, I was over the moon um, when The River Child was accepted. And um, at the same time, um, Michelle and Odyssey Books are also publishing my next novel, which is called Under Andromeda. Ooh, and um, so I signed a double contract um, which was absolutely amazing. It was just the most amazing thing. And um, and I, I just love Odyssey books because I really do get the feeling that they are a little family. And the way, it's, they, the way they've set things up is really good because they've got different portals that authors can go into for, for different purposes. And, you know, they, they have a, a portal where you can go in and, and, you know, look at your own stuff. And then they have a, another one where the authors can chat with each other and find out things. And, and we met up with Michelle and a couple of other Odyssey authors, um, which was fantastic. Um, so I, I really like the way that Odyssey set up. I think the structure is fantastic. So, Michelle, talking about briefly, you mentioned when, you know, you help with the marketing, obviously, and things at your publishing company. But that's not the norm for every publishing company nowadays, is it? Authors are expected to be more hands on, aren't they? Yeah, well, it's it's a partnership, essentially. It's, yeah. um, you know, we both have brought something to the table in that the authors bring their, their novels and I bring you know, my skills and resources into putting their books out into the world. And I think that at that point, you know, um, authors, yes, they are expected to, to help with the marketing uh, because that is that sort of partnership. We both got to do it. But I don't want them to feel like they have to do everything themselves. Um, you know, I'm always available to provide that support. I have numerous resources, as Joe mentioned, um, in our online portal. We have um, lots of tips and tricks and and you know, um, places to go that where authors can market their books. Um, we have joint opportunities for things like, um, you know, promotional catalogues and, and things like that where um, we can advertise their books and the author can contribute if they choose to. Um, so it just allows, because as a small press, you know, we don't have a massive marketing budget. Um, we do what we can um, in terms of taking advantage of all the resources or the opportunities that our distributor provides us. Um, as well as the publishing industry in Australia has a fantastic um, sort of industry body that helps small presses, um, you know, sort of compete with the big guys and give them access to the same sorts of tools and opportunities um, and events that big publishers do. So, um, so we, we do quite a lot. Um, and, but yes, it, definitely the authors do need to participate in the marketing, not just at the launch of the book, but throughout the life of while well, the book's available. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's so much competition out there. There are lots of people who are self-publishing. There are lots of small presses springing up all the time. So, you know, authors do really need to, to continue to market their book long-term. Otherwise it disappears. Yeah, um, it totally does. You know, I relate to that and understand that. Yeah. Well, let's just go back to the beginning of the interview when you were talking about the types of books that you take on. So what's your genre really that you, the Odyssey, what sort of genre would fall under Odyssey? We publish quite broadly. Um, I do intend to 
hone that sort of focus a little bit more into speculative fiction. But at the moment, we're doing a bit of everything. We do um, all sorts of genre fiction, um, non-fiction, particularly memoirs, as long as it's telling a good story. You know, we don't do resource books or educational books or anything like that. Um, it's got to be a narrative-based uh, publication. But ultimately, yeah, as long as it tells a good story, we're sort of happy to, to publish broadly. Um, so, yeah, but we do have quite a lot of... Um, uh, fantasy and uh, science fiction authors who you know make up quite a big chunk of, of um, the Odyssey catalogue um, which I think is fantastic because there's so many opportunities like we go to um, Comic-Con and things like that to market the books and, and promote the authors um, and so that naturally that's a really good fit for um, you know our, our sci-fi and our fantasy authors and our um, horror thriller you know um, I've never, you know, I've never been it. to a Comic-Con I've heard about them I know people that have <laughs> do you attend those Joe as well? No, I haven't as yet, but I would love to. Nothing ahead there to say, I would like to go. I would like to go. I would. Yeah, it's on all of that stuff. That, that's on. It's on my list for the future, definitely. Well, ladies, we're just going to take a short break, and we'll be back in a few minutes' time. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich, Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage, when they are most treatable. They also offer a COVID testing service which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. We're talking to Michelle Lovai and Joe Toscano. So welcome back, ladies. It's great talk to, talking to you so far. So, Joe, what other books have you written as well? Because you're, you're not a new author, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, my, my first book was a co-authored book, uh, which came out about 10 years ago. Um, and it was called Back on the Block. Um, and it was the it, it was the memoir, the story of um, a member of the Stolen Generations called Bill Simon. And uh, he was um, incarcerated, I, I use the word incarcerated because it basically was at the um, infamous Kinchula Boys Home in Kempsey in New South Wales. And this was a home where they sent very, very young boys as well from the stolen generations after they'd been removed from their mother. And um, Bill spent his life on the block in Sydney. Um, the block, for people that don't know, is, is it's basically the Aboriginal heart of Sydney. Um, right. and it's a true story as well. 
Uh, no, it's just called the block, um, but it's, it's, it's attractive land in Sydney, but it, um, it's always had a, a, a very big Aboriginal presence yeah. and everyone who comes to Sydney who's Aboriginal goes to the block. Um, it, unfortunately, now the whole thing's being gentrified, um, which, <laughs> yeah, that's another story. Um, but anyway, um, Back on the Block was the first, it was the first ever memoir, a life story uh, to come from someone who had spent time at the Kinchilla Boys' home. So I wrote that with Bill Simon, who was stolen as a child when he was 10, and Des Montgomery, another researcher. So that was my first book. That was about 10 years ago. Um, and then I just basically had a lot of articles published, mostly to do with Indigenous um, yeah. things, because that's one of my passions, um, just articles in journals and magazines and things like that. Um, and then The River Child uh, recently. And then I have another book um, coming out, um, which is with an Aboriginal elder, which is a true story as well um, about um, forced adoptions in Australia, uh, not just with Indigenous women, but with, with a whole heap of other women. And that's coming out at, at some point. Um, then I've got um, and Under Andromeda with, um, with Odyssey Books. That's it for books at the moment. Um, but the other thing I'm doing is I'm writing um, children's songs for the company um, that I'm a contract uh, contract. I'm a content creator for a little company called Imagineer Me. It might be on my screen here. Yeah. Um, and what we're what we're doing is um, Imagineer Me is a company that produces uh, educational resources, but it's a little bit different because we use we use a fusion of uh, Western and Aboriginal uh, pedagogy. So we use what's called the eight ways of learning, which are a very specific set of pedagogies uh, to do with learning, um, but they're basically for everybody. Our programs are, are designed that any teacher can use them in any classroom with any child. It doesn't have to be Aboriginal, but at the same time, it's more the methods that we're learning to get across um, because a lot of our learning is, you know, teacher chalk, chalk and talk, you know, and has been for a little while. These are very different because uh, our programs are also underpinned by neuroscience. So we've got the neuroscience bit and then we've got the pedagogical bit from the Aboriginal perspective. So we're combining a lot of the different methods of learning, um, particularly focusing on things like visual learning and kinesthetic learning, uh, because we're all, we all learn different ways. Um, so we combine those in children's programs and um, we've just done one called uh, the Little Booty Storybook. Booty means little in the Dungadi language. So what we're doing is we're also uh, imbuing our programs with Aboriginal languages uh, because at the moment in Australia, everyone's realising that a lot of these languages are being lost. Yeah. So there's a big concerted effort at the moment by, you know, um, by anthropologists and linguists and all sorts of people to, to really retain these languages. So the program I've been doing uh, is with an Aboriginal man called Dorsey Smith, and we are singing uh, in the Dungadi language. Oh. And not only are we singing, but we're, we're taking traditional things, like, for example, the one we've just been recording is we've been recording the Aboriginal version of Humpty Dumpty. So wow. instead of instead of Humpty Dumpty sitting on a wall, 
my guitar's out of tune. It's sitting at the back. Um, so instead of Humpty sitting on the wall and falling off the wall and all the king's horses and all the king's men, because that's, a, you know, it's a bit bygone these days. It's a bit, you know, smacking of colonialism and the such. So we've taken Humpty and he's falling out of a nest and there's a, it's a naughty kookaburra that pushes him out. And so we've changed the lyrics. And, and it doesn't mean that, that we're doing away with the traditional one, but what we're doing is saying, here's another version that Indigenous kids can relate to. So we're singing it in English and then we're singing it in Dungari. And um, so it's a program for everybody. Aww. Yeah. So bringing it back to Odyssey, Michelle, um, lots of people obviously start with, and you'll relate to this, Joe, as well, people relate and stress over the query letter. When you open that first submission from an author, a budding author, what do you look for? What's a good query letter? Um, I guess the, the first thing that we look for is the hook. We want to know what's different about the book. What, how, how do we sum it up in a really succinct way, um, the essence of the story, um, to make sure that, first of all, it's something that, you know, is going to pique our interest um, and make us want to read further. Um, but also so that, you know, we know that the author has actually given that some consideration and, and knows that that's going to be part of the long-term um, way that we're going to promote the book is if, you know, we, if we know what the hook is um, and if it's something topical or something, um, you know, uh, diverse, I guess. We're, we're always looking for really diverse writers and, and stories as well. So if that's something that um, really sums up the book, then we want to know about that really early because, you know, we, we skim a lot. Um, we're looking for things to jump out at us. We get quite a lot of submissions and not a lot of um, opportunity to publish as much as we would like to. So we're really looking for those special stories that come through. So that's, that's you know, the, the main thing that we're looking for, at least in the beginning of the cover letter. Um, so basically we're people need for... to go straight into their synopsis, really, not talk about themselves, not introduce themselves too much, go straight into the story. We still want to know about them. Um, that sort of comes a bit later down um, unless of course it's you know for example if it's a memoir then that information actually needs to be yeah at the front is. of the letter yeah um, because you know we're saying what's interesting about you that your memoir is going to be something that people are going to want to read um, so that's where, where that might be different um, next we're looking for a quick sort of summary of the book um, beyond that hook um, so that we can then know whether we want to continue on to read the synopsis because the synopsis can be quite um, lengthy and detailed um, and that's the next sort of stage that we're looking at um, once we've sort of got past that first initial cover letter. That's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? Um, I've been asked previ previously to, to do a page of the whole book so you're really wrapping up the whole book from start to finish in one page. That's really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's... um. Interesting because a lot of a lot of authors won't put the the ending in. You know, they're like they're worried about spoilers, and it's like, but we want to know it. what the ending is. How do, you know, <laughs> yeah. I want to know what whether I want actually what the ending is going to be like, whether it's something I want to publish. Um, so we want the spoilers. We want all the you know that sort of detail really condensed down, yeah, into like a page or so. Um, and what and, would you yeah, call that can be a wow chapter? Because you have to send the first three chapters in or three chapters separately, and it's mainly the first three chapters, isn't it? What would you call the yep. wow factor? Um, a fantastic first line. Yeah. 
Um, in fact, I've been doing a lot of research in um, social media. There's a lot of people who are say, you know, these are the books I've bought because of that first line. I've opened it up and it just yeah. hooked me straight away. So that um, is something that we look for. Um, or something that has just a, a nice sort of voice to it. Um, in addition to, okay, we know what the story is going to be about. We know what who the characters are, you know, and what's different about them or what's special about them. And then we want to know that the, the voice of the style of writing is going to be something that's engaging. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's lots of people writing books now that not necessarily writers as such, so they might not have the vocabulary. You know, it's, it's important. It's you, you want to be able to paint that picture for people using your words. So, yeah, um, yeah we're, we're and because we're very much story focused, we're not information based publishers. So we, you know, that style of writing is going to be something that's going to appeal to us it's going to appeal to our readers that's what we're looking for um you know for, for things more technical writing yeah you don't need to have that broad vocabulary you need to have a, a good knowledge of your subject matter um and, and be able to story, present it you can rewrite things can't you and edit exactly. edit re-edit again but the story's got yeah yeah absolutely technical publishing it's it's very easy to get an editor to come in and you know clean up the writing and, and make it flow better or whatever but with with fiction particularly and and like the memoir because it's a personal voice um you really want that you don't want to interfere too much with that through the editing process you want to you don't want someone to come in and, and rewrite it and essentially ghost write your book for you yeah. um you know, there are actually quite a lot of writers that do you know they have they come up with a, a plot and they come up with the characters and they hand it over to a ghostwriter and that person then comes and um essentially writes the book um, and you see that a lot with some of the, the really big name authors who, you know, seem to be yeah, publishing they, yeah. a new book every month. And it's like, no one, no one has that. No one has that ability. time to do that. Yeah. We know how long <laughs> it takes. <laughs> yep. So Joe, what advice would you give to budding writers starting out on their first novel? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, to, 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 to be a, 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 to be a good writer, I think you, you have to read. Um, you just have to read, 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 read. And I, I, I think, of course, you have to read in the genre that you're writing in. But to me also, I, I mean, I was an English teacher for 25 years before I um, began my writing journey. And I think, I think also that you have to also read outside your genre as well. Because I, I'm, and I forced myself to do that. And I think it's a really good thing to do because... Um, you know, I often say to people, well, it doesn't mean that you're going to write in this particular genre, but I, but I think what I always tell people when I'm editing their manuscripts that uh, they need to read a little bit more widely as well, yeah. um, because if you if you know a little bit, it doesn't mean you have to be have to know about every single aspect, but if you know a little bit about this, 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 and this. So, you know, you have a lot wider knowledge to draw upon and then it sort of all comes together. And I, I think about, about all the things that I've read um, and you know, I've read a lot of nonfiction, um, a, a little bit of fantasy lately. It's something I'm just getting into. Um, but, um, yeah, but I think reading your genre, but also force yourself to also read, get out of your comfort zone. You know, get out of your comfort zone. Make, make yourself a little bit uncomfortable because uh, I think if you make yourself a little bit uncomfortable, things become a little bit more edgy. I'm reading Miriam Margulies at the moment. All right. Yes. <laughs> that can be a little uncomfortable at times, but it's very educational. She's great. I actually. bet it is. 
yeah <laughs> she's she's got a house in Australia she lives in Australia doesn't she as well yes she, yeah apparently she does mm, yeah no big fan I think she's fantastic yeah, yeah. But they're yeah. great. No, they're great tips, though, because I think it's so important, certainly for children, to be surrounded by books. I mean, mine are fake yeah. on the back wall here in my office, but we do have lots of books. I think it's really important that they they mm. see them. They want to. I mean, I'm really old fashioned. I don't know about you. I like to pick up a book, Michelle, and smell the pages rather than look on my Kindle or something yeah. like that. What's yep. your preference? Um, I'm really getting into audio at the moment, but yeah, oh, really? I've, I've, you know, yeah, I move house a lot. <laughs> So having a huge library at home no is really impractical. <laughs> um, so I've, I've culled my collection over the years. Um, and sadly, you know, you can't hang on to everything as much as I would like to. But um, I keep downsizing my houses and now I'm living in a little two-bedroom place. There's no room wow. for a library here, no, which no, is sad. No so, yeah, I, I have. You need some wallpaper like me then, Michelle, with the fake library in the back. Yeah, totally. I'm going <laughs> to get one of those backdrops so you can just sort of drape it up on the wall yeah. <laughs> a fake backdrop but also into archery and axe throw michelle that's quite yeah. unique as a hobby Come that, on. that's kind of a new hobby um i this is, i yeah, wouldn't want to be in your so line I'm starting... fine with the axe throwing put it that way <laughs> <laughs> um it all came about because i went to a um a viking themed festival <laughs> recently um, I've always been into archery and so I gave that a go but they also had axe throwing and turned out I actually really kind of enjoyed it so that as soon as I got home I went to the hardware store and bought myself an axe and I've been throwing it around in the backyard oh my goodness but the neighbors are like this oh my god she's out there again with her axe <laughs> yeah totally yeah. put your helmets on <laughs> stay inside people so is um, it a distance thing then is it like you challenge to who can throw it the furthest what what's the love um, of it's more about actually hitting the target like as a newbie it's something that I really just started getting into as I said so it's kind of um a challenge to you know learn the technique um and then also have the actual strength to throw it um further and further each time and actually make the the axe stick into the target itself because yeah. usually it'll just bounce off so <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of um practice going on there to to kind of get it to stick and then um again to to move it further and further away so that um, pretty impressive yeah. though it's pretty hardcore I'm quite impressed with that oh. Michelle I have to say <laughs> how about you Joe? are you into your axe throwing <laughs> uh, I haven't discovered it yet but who knows <laughs> so what do you do in your spare time if you have any I love music um, so I listen to music and I also play music and I also sing um, so I, I play my keyboard and my guitar uh, I sing uh, I've just written 10 children's songs for the program that we're doing um, with the Aboriginal language and English. So uh, I love writing songs. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm writing a few children's books at the moment, sort of mucking around with that. Um, but I'd say music is my main one. That's wonderful. Our ladies, it's been so good talking to you today. So for our listeners, before you go, Michelle, fire away. How can people get in touch with you if they have any questions or want to publish through Odyssey? Sure. So um, the first website for the traditional publishing is odysseybooks.com.au. Um, and there's contact forms and submission forms and things like that on the website if you want to reach out. Um, if you're looking to self-publish, um, go to odysseypublishing.com. Uh, no IU on that one. I managed to get the domain for that. Um, and there's, again, contact form. There's uh, all the information about 
um, the services that we provide and um, examples of the, the, the books that we've published in both, obviously, the self-publishing and the traditional publishing. So you can see kind of our aesthetic, what, you know, what we like to do um, and check out the books, you know, see how, how you know, we put them together and things like that. Or hit us up on the social media. It's um, uh, at Odyssey Books um, is my handle for um, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Wonderful, um, wonderful. So. And Joe, before you go, where can we buy The River Child? Uh, you, can, you can buy it from Odyssey Books <laughs> online um, and, um, uh, and Amazon and Booktopia and uh, all those online places. Uh, if you're in Sydney, Glee Books has it. Um, that's where we had the launch very recently. Um, uh, so Glee Books does have it. And I um, I. I've been told Dimix has it, but I'm not too sure about that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's where you can get it. Hmm. Wonderful. Well, I wish you all the best with the books and I'm sure we'll speak again in the future and wish you all the best to you, Michelle. Thanks for joining us today. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Authors and More, all your writing needs under one roof. If you have any questions, then visit my website at karenkellypodcast.co.uk or send me an email at letstalk at karenkellypodcast.co.uk. Authors and More is part of the Appetite for Life podcast series sponsored by Everything Genetic Limited.